yeah, all good, bro. Can't complain. Um, Arsenal playing a bit better these days, so you know the mood's a bit. It's not as dour as it was before. So yeah, all good, man. It was, it was a really good game against Tottenham as well. Uh, but uh, Brighton, they were struggling a bit, but uh, Tottenham game was especially really good to watch them play. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. That yeah, right yeah. back you've got, um, the new right Tommy back. Yassi. It looks fantastic. It was really good against Son Hyung Min as well. Uh, but no, I've, I've been good uh, just at university. So just keeping busy. Got a bit of a cold, like I mentioned before. But um, the next month or so, every episode, I'm going to be doing a feature on Black History Month in the United Kingdom because it's been. Um, something that I've kind of wanted to talk about. And I think it's something that everyone can really talk about and identify with whether you're black, you're Asian, you're white, or you're not even from um, one of these popular ethnicities that we see 100%. in the country. But um, black footballers have made such a massive impact over the last 12 months, let alone over the last 26, 27 years of the Premier League football. So I just thought it'd be a good idea to get people who have been on the podcast before to give me their suggestions of who would be one of their greatest inspirations for Black History Month for football as well. But Kez, I know you mentioned before the um, recording, you've got kind of a list. I'm being an Arsenal yeah. fan. You have quite a big list, I'd imagine, mostly from Arsenal players, but I'll let you take yeah. it. Um, who have we got on the list for yourself, Kez? Okay, so if we go football, mm -hmm. um, Thierry Henry is my guy. You know, um, he was my absolute footballing idol growing up. Um, Although, to be fair, in that same team on replayed in, there's a few names I could pluck out that could easily be on the list. The likes of Patrick Vieira, Carnu, Will Tord. But yeah, Omri was my, my main guy, man. Um, so he has to be first on the list. Um, my list, to be fair, it's not just footballers on there. I've got, I've got a few, a few uh, sporting legends on there. Let's hear them. Let's hear them. Yeah. Okay. So Brian Lara. Oh my god! Yeah, never had you down for a cricket fan, but yes, Brian Lara, my man. Yeah, 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 yeah. Brian Lara, West Indian legend. Um, yeah, man. <laughs> Tiger Woods. Yeah, I mean, one of the greatest to ever do it. One of the greatest for real. Talking with the greatest, Michael Jordan. Another one. Yeah, another one. Isn't Ali goes beyond Muhammad Ali's legacy. Is probably like people say is one of the greatest of all times and. Being being someone who's not just fought in a boxing ring, but fought his country, fought uh, black prejudice as well in the United States and worldwide as well, it's cr it crazy to see how some of these people's legacy have transcended their sport, which is which is great to hear and great to really reflect back on as well. Because every year when Black History Month comes in the UK, it's a different month to uh, the United States and a couple of other countries around the world where they celebrate as well. So it's always nice to go through these people and show that their legacy still carries on year after year and it shows that their impact is still coming on as well. 100%. So to give you a few more names, um, Usain Bolt. I Usain mean, Bolt, the yeah, fastest the man, man ever. Yeah, fastest man ever. No, say no more on that one. Um, the next name I've got is, he wasn't one of the greatest in his sport, but I think he, so it's Frank Bruno. Yes. Um, and the reason why I've got Frank Bruno on there is because he came through at a time where as a black British boxer uh, in the heavyweight division, he was one of the pioneers, really, that, you know I mean, you look to in, in that sort of scene. Um, yeah, so Frank Bruno's in there for me, I think. Um, and then the last one I've got is Lewis Hamilton. Lewis Hamilton. Lewis Hamilton is someone who, in this day and age as well, you just hear about him every week on the news, rather he's not... Uh, racing every week but you'll still hear about him trying to do different things in different ways of being 
the sole man of color in in Formula One, and yeah. the fact that he's starting the new um, campaign to realistically um, push the boundaries of ethnic minorities coming into racing sport, not just Formula One, but race sport in general, is incredible for me because yeah, it shows yeah. that he's using his power the right way, and it's not all advertising campaigns or marketing campaigns that the general public like to see. But it's yeah. when you're actually looking at what he's actually doing off the track and realistically trying to help the next generation come through, which is brilliant. 100%. I've, I've, I've loved Lewis Hamilton since he was at McLaren since 2007 when he first came through. And it was someone who I wished um, every success for at the time because people watching like Barrichello come through, Massa come through for Ferrari. They did really good. Fernando Alonso was the other McLaren driver at the time as well. But for him to make Formula One his domain really he made it his jungle and he was the king of the jungle mm-hmm. and you've had year after year of replacing um different race drivers all the time and uh, obviously there's that season where bottas pipped him to the title but he's one of the greatest to ever do it in race racing uh race sport as well not just 100 i mean for me one of the things that all of these guys i've mentioned have in common is they've all paved the way for future generations in the terms of they've made it much easier for guys to come through and succeed after them Exactly. Um, so I mentioned Frank Bruno. We look look at AJ now, who's a superstar. Um, way before him as well, the previous yeah, generation. way before him. Yep. Yeah. Um, like we spoke about Lewis Hamilton, Michael Jordan in his sport. You know how many guys looked up to him and are now doing big things in the NBA. Exactly. Thierry Henry. Every striker I hear of these days <laughs> was once inspired by Thierry Henry. Do you know what I mean? Even the Arsenal striker before Thierry Henry, you mentioned Kanu, one of the first kind of players to come from West Africa and kind of just kill it in the Premier League because yeah. we could easily talk about Ian Wright, but Ian Wright is someone for me who I didn't see play live and you know my kind of rule, I don't really comment on that kind of thing, yeah. but yeah. he was someone that became Arsenal's all-time greatest goal scorer, then pipped like 10, 15 years later by Thierry Henry. Yeah. But having Arsene Wenger as a manager who's someone who's very influenced by it wasn't really influenced by um, this racial dim- discrimination of uh, what country a player should come from or what their ethnic background was, because he, he kind of got people from all over the world in his team and it worked in his favour a lot better than it did for a lot of these other managers who then started to see that trend 15, no, not 15, like five, 10 years later, which yeah. is crazy because when Arsene Wenger came to the club, you had people um, who were like first team players in, in the Arsenal team getting replaced by these foreigners who look down upon because they're like oh they don't have the prestige they don't have the um heritage like nikas and elka coming through um yeah. someone that came through just before tia Henry, and then he left um and then tia Henry came in as well which is incredible but um i know you have to leave in a bit i just want to hear a few words on tia Henry and patrick vieira because patrick vieira is someone who i thought was one of the most classy men on the pitch obviously there's that video that you see every now and then of him and roy Keane in in the tunnel but as a player, he looked like someone who just who was like a Rolls Royce of a player for me personally, Patrick Vieira. Hundred percent. Before I even touch on these two, you mentioned Arsene Wenger, mm. and I think it's also important to mention guys like that because he may not be black himself, but he paved, he gave so many opportunities to so many people to to change their lives as well. So guys like that are super important as well. Um, so I want to shout Arsene Wenger there, the goat. <laughs> um, but yeah, Patrick Vieira. What can I say, man? Natural leader. Um, led from the front, everything you want in a leader, you saw in Patrick Vieira, left it all on the pitch, um, turned up in the big, big games. Yeah, I mean, for me, when I was younger, look, I've, I looked up to Patrick Vieira massively because he was the guy that led from the front. And obviously that's what I aspired to do as well. So 
Patrick Vieira for me. He was exemplary at leading from the front as well. Like you'd barely see him raise his fist or raise a finger. And a lot of people at the time, they changed their perspe- perspectives on um, like tall, angry black men. Not mm-hmm. to be, not in a racist way, but Patrick Vieira wasn't someone who would always go for fists or violence or anything like that. And I know you see that yeah. narrative of him fighting Roy Keane all the time. But for me, when, when I was growing up, he was someone who would just like push all of his players away to stop fighting the ref or arguing with players. And this was someone that you're seeing firsthand um, put his own mentality on the line and in front of the world as well, because he did that for France. He did that for uh, Arsenal. Uh, Man City did it when as well and into Milan. No, into Milan, Juventus when he went to Juventus yeah. as well. And to be fair, Hams, that's, that's the beauty of sport. It breaks down so many barriers because, you know, like you said, how many people would have followed Arsenal and maybe their first introduction to <laughs> you know, someone from a different ethnicity be through supporting the club, him leading exactly. that, their club out on the pitch. So, um, no, Vieira, classy is always right to the very end um, and a man I respect greatly. Thierry Henry was also a leader, but a different type of leader. Yeah. And what I learned from the change of captaincy from, did it go straight from Vieira to Henry? No, it didn't, did it? Who was the next captain after Vieira? It was, wasn't it? Vieira left in 05 and then Henry became the Henry became, yeah. A different type of leader and that showed me that there's um definitely more than one way to, to lead Thierry Henry was a guy that he always made sure that he was on point uh, and he led by example yeah um which in turn inspired others and what can I say about Henri man one of the greatest to ever do it uh classy on and off the pitch the way he spoke um the way he conducted himself I just loved everything about Henri. Growing up, that's the guy I wanted to be, man, Thierry Henri. Um, yeah, was at the top of his game for so long. Um, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't got enough good words to say about Thierry Henri, man. Love that guy. The thing with me is that I've done a previous podcast during Ramadan about like our favourite football legends and Thierry Henri came up a few times as well. But because I'm at university, a lot of people just know Thierry Henry from his latter years at Barcelona right. and for him being a Sky Sports pundit. But I'm no, 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 no. Yeah, I've come yeah, to the yeah, wrong, yeah. wrong university or the wrong yeah. university. I've come yeah. because you can't be learning about such a great striker for him just to be known as a supporting cast for Lionel Messi at Barcelona and under Pep Guardiola because he was someone who graced the Premier League with so much elegance, so much class. And I don't want him to be known as just the guy who does Renault adverts. So... Well, to be fair, I mean, if you're a fan of a Premier League club or fan of football, it's important to understand the, pre- the, the history of the Premier League exactly. and some of the guys that are the, that performed in previous years. Um, and Thierry Henry, if we talk about Premier League history, is definitely one of the first names you're mentioning in terms of best strikers they were. I mean, some may, may shout Alan Shearer for his goal record, and that's fair enough. But Thierry Henry is definitely in that com- conversation to be one of the greatest ever Um Premier League strikers, especially from foreign shores. I mean, he's probably the greatest, in my opinion, from <laughs> foreign shores to do it in England. So, yeah, you can't um, talk Premier League without mentioning Thierry Henry. So, for anyone that does uh, only know him from the rental adverts, go back and watch Premier League years, <laughs> do your research, because Thierry Henry was that guy, man. There was that, that meme. There's that meme of people saying, "Oh, we all followed Thierry Henry when he was on well, when he was an Arsenal player." And, now we're all like left left without the glory because yeah. like, he gave you some amazing years. Even if you're complaining about now, those were, those were the years to be an Arsenal fan as well. Hundred percent. I mean, there's a lot of United fans all over the country, but with Arsenal fans, when you find Arsenal fans in the areas like up north and whatnot, that's normally because of Thierry Henry. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Or if you're going back, if they're a bit older, maybe Ian Wright. But 
it's normally a guy that draws you to a certain club and Henri was that guy for a lot of people, man. It was someone that transcended football and someone that realistically um, you could level with, on, like literally on a level, you could level with someone who came from France, who's a young man coming through the, um, this new yeah. team, this new league and everything. And again, there were very few foreign players coming through at the time as the main starter. There'd be like here and there, bit part players um, for, in the Premier League as well. But it's just the fact that Thierry Henry just carried on Bro, Omri had me paying £20 for them Black Knight gloves in school, bro, for no reason. You know what I mean? When he, he wore them he, Black he Knight gloves. He paying for that stand-up speak-up band for £15. Yeah. And my mum was, was like, what's the band going to do? I was like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I meant Ruben Nishra's got it. I meant like, But my mum and dad were like, Arsenal fans. They are Arsenal yeah. fans, obviously. Yeah. Um, but it's just one of them things that it just transcends football. It just trans, transcends sport as well, which is crazy. Um. Yeah, so that was basically a little chat about um, your um, footballing and your sport heroes for Black Christmas Month. So, uh, Kez, thank you very much. Obviously, it's nice wow. to have you back on the podcast. Yeah, and... apologies for the rush, man. Pleasure as always, bro. Always <laughs> is a, always is a good pleasure. But I'll see you next time, yeah? Take care. 100%. Take care, bro. See you later. And now we're on part two of the podcast. Um, so we've got Noah from... Um, how how do you say your sermon? I keep getting the sermon. We, we just call it Varacek. No, your surname, your, your second oh, name. Yeah, uh, Adamson. Adamson. Yeah, so we've got Varchek Podcast um, host Noah Adamson, who, it seems pretty simple to say your surname, but I just messed up. Uh, forgive me, I am ill this week. No worries, it's all good. Um, so yeah, you've joined us from Ottawa, Canada tonight, so thank you very much for coming on the podcast. Thank you for it's having me on. No, it's been good. I've been listening to your podcast quite recently as well, and We've been following each other for quite a while now, especially because yeah. of the European Championships. We have that little competition. So yeah. I was like, um, over the next coming season, we'll get you on for an episode. So I thought this would be a perfect time to get you on um, for an episode. So just continue to, to carry on about what we talk about Black History Month. I know Black History Month in North America now is in February, but here in the United Kingdom, it's in October. So um, hopefully you've done your homework. Or if someone just comes off the bat um, for yourself, now, just let me know. Uh, who are your greatest? We'll start with your greatest football um, influences from the black community, and then that. I think that's a good idea. What do you think? Uh, I think it's a pretty generic answer, considering I'm a United fan. But the work that Marcus Rashford's done over the past year, year and a half, I just think is super inspiring. Not only for for other athletes, but for just people in general. Like what he's done to raise awareness for not only communities but also the UK in general, and then even you could argue worldwide is what he's done to bring awareness to childhood hunger and what, what we need to do to do better, to be able to, um, to allow the future generation to be able to live a good life and succeed and be able to continue the growth going. I just think is absolutely incredible what he's doing while also being a top footballer. It's, it's quite hard to look past Marcus Rashford as well. So everything is done over the last two, three years, I would say. Yeah. And it started very slowly but surely and it's gained a lot of traction, it's gained a lot of political support, it's gained a lot of um, celebrity support as well. And it's the fact that Marcus Rashford is still young, mid-20s, young 20s, I would say, yeah. four years old and he's taken on the government, he's taken on the system. It's someone that, um, when you're looking at some of these people like Muhammad Ali, you're looking at um, people like Lewis Hamilton and you're looking at some people who have really transcended their, transcended their own sport, really. It's not just yeah. they've been known in history for being the best of the best. They've been the best or the greatest because they've done things outside of their sport, which they've actually 
um, increased popularity as well. I think Michael Jordan is someone that you would say as well, maybe even LeBron yeah. James uh, in this current day and age as well, has been doing something just as powerful in the United States as well. But Marcus Rashford as well is someone that um, you and I, we would have seen coming up through the academy from the reserves to make this first yeah. appearance in the league. And um, a couple of nice little goals in that first season under Louis Van Gaal. But it's someone that is now a household name in, in most places in the United Kingdom. And would you say it's kind of the same in um, in like the soccer soccer circles of Canada, would you say? So? I, I'd say, yeah. I think, he's, I think he's one of the bigger and more common names just – not only because he plays for United, but also the work that he does on and off the pitch just naturally uh, gains attention. Is that getting recognized in Canada as well, in North America? Um, not the recognition that I think it deserves, but we, we definitely do acknowledge it over in, uh, over in Canada. That's good to hear, because I think it was today or um, one of the days, he basically received a doctorate. So um, over the last couple of days, he received a doctorate. Um, doctorate, so it's actually called Doctor Marcus Rashford. Yeah, which is incredible, and it shows how you know that old saying of how one man can make a difference, and he can make a whole difference like this as well, which is incredible. And it's fantastic to really see that as a Manchester player as well. Really yeah, exactly. From Lingard and Ronaldo to Marcus Rashford. Um, but yeah, that was basically talking about Marcus Rashford and. Um, being a Man United fan and being someone who actually loved going to these Man United games and seeing him play, there's a time when I, I, I hadn't seen him score after going for like three, four years in a row and not seeing him score because I went to all the games he did score at home. And then one game he scored against Aston Villa where we drew 2-2, but I was really happy because he scored and he celebrated where I was going to, where I was sitting in the stands as well. So it's these little things that Marcus Rashford, he can make you feel like a kid. Um, by, by the way, he plays football, but he can also... Um, make you feel proud like he's your son or he's your nephew or someone yeah. who's done so much for the community as well um, in the United Kingdom and just like you mentioned off air as well the fact that he's inspired people around the world so people in France and Spain and European countries are asking Marcus Rashford how they can do that kind of thing for their countries and for their communities as well I think Moussa Sissoko from Watford was someone who wanted to do something similar to that as well and Serge Aure wanted to do something similar to that in the Ivory Coast as well which is insane um, yeah. But yeah, Marcus Rashford, you, you run out of superlat- uh, superlatives to really talk about this man, about how he's like a modern-day Superman, realistically, because of everything yeah. he can only get better. Um, Tapio, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for being the second host of um, Varjet Podcast to join. Hope you're doing well. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it's always a good day. It's always a good day. Yeah. It's a good day for you. So it's a, it's a bad day for me. Like, it's a day where I should have gone to play football or soccer, as, as you would say, but Still feeling. No, no, we say football. Yeah, we, we say, say football. football. We say football. <laughs> oh, good. I knew you were like uh, Canadians for a reason. I knew you were like going to um, Canada to talk about football. But Tapio, why don't you join in on the conversation? We're talking about uh, Black History Month this month. And I thought it'd be good to get you guys to show your appreciation. Because I know yours is in February as well. I've repeated that two, three times. But it's okay. Oh, yeah. Um, if you have any um, football heroes from the black community that you want to talk about, discuss, or celebrate, um, floor is yours go for it oh 100% um you know firstly like especially all the um African players they always like they always they're just like there's too many to mention from Sadio Mane to um Drogba what they've been doing for the countries and everything it's always inspiring but for me personally like my personal hero is uh I would say Thierry Henry that he he puts he got me involved in Arsenal so 
I can't blame him. For the, for the yeah, and, and unfortunately and very fortunately, I am an Arsenal fan and it's all Henri's fault because if he wasn't the player that he was, I would, I don't know, I probably would have supported, my dad would support United. So, you know, there's always a back and forth, but, you know, um, for him, just for him, I'm just going to talk just briefly for him, just like, the way he attacked the game and the kind of persona he just gave out was just like, and the way he interacted with the fans, it's just like, when you see him play, you feel like you know him. Just like, I'll say like Marcus Rashford, like you guys were just previously talking about. It's just like, when you see him play, you're like, that's not Marcus Rashford, the player. That's my friend. That's my, that's my brother. Because the way the persona they give out and the energy they give out is just, it's just so, it's just so positive And it just, makes you want to be a better person so like uh, also Henri like um his head he has a very distinctive head shape so me and him have the exact same one so that's another reason why he's my hero I just had to say that out there because some people already know the story so um yeah but um and just to quickly touch on Sadio Mane you know um just what he's been doing back home in Senegal like from the uh, hospitals and just like always being there and just giving the people cheer you know you see it and also me being from Zimbabwe and also living in Ghana and everything like it just spreads across and it's just like every time I see him play against Arsenal I want to beat Liverpool but I wouldn't mind if Mane scored a goal you know what just let him let him let him get a little shine because um yeah it's just it just inspires you want to be better and even the way they approach the game and and everything, the hard work and the no times off, the no excuses, you know, you just look at that and you just, you, you, you just, you're just in awe in some of these players. And um, yeah, especially with like what sometimes you see, you know, with the racism and everything, like, you know, they always have to be the bigger person and everything. So it's like, sometimes you, they don't feel sorry for themselves. They, they feel that they're in this position to help make change. So there are too many to mention, but uh, Henri, like, Marcus Rashford, as you guys said, uh, Sadio Mane and Drogba, those are the, 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 the four that straight off the top of my head when every time I think about um, um, people pushing, you know, and people just trying to, trying to get everything better because, you know, sometimes, you know, against, maybe against Arsenal, sometimes Drogba, some of the goals weren't supposed to be good. I'm just going to say that, but, you know, at the end of the day, it's... It is what it is. It is what it is. But you know, um, just just even after the just even after the game and everything, no matter how they feel and everything, they still stick to their morals and everything. So it's just very inspiring, and it just it, I just look to it and just you know I just want to be a better person. And that's something that I think you could you could link with the four players that you mentioned: Rashford, Drogba, Henri, and uh, Sadio Mane. They're very close to their roots. They always remember their roots and they'll stick to um, where they came from as well. So Pierre Henri. Um, Didier Drogba from, from an era before where we are now Sadio Mane and Marcus Rashford but it's still um, something that you see Sadio Mane um, like for here in England you still see little things that Sadio Mane would be going to like a local mosque in Liverpool and he'd be like taking yeah. selfies and pictures with the fans and Everton fans would be there and still, they wouldn't give him grief because they're just like it's, it's really cool as well and Marcus yeah. Rashford going out and helping with the whole um food um, situation in England as well and him actually going out on deliveries, going to these um, schools and actually delivering it um, on his days off as well. Not every day off, but he's oh, yeah, yeah. doing that on every other day off, which has been really yeah. good as well, which has been nice to see. But even with Didier Drogba, man, like, I'm a Man United fan and he's a big, big player against 
Manchester United scoring in the FA Cup final in 2007 next time that still breaks my heart and I'm really annoyed that I brought it up as the only goal that City scored against Manchester United but um, for people who didn't know Didier Drogba was one of the first um, or probably one of the the only footballer to ever stop a civil war in his own country yeah yeah yeah, yeah. which is incredible because when you're thinking of football and politics you think kind of thinking of someone like Nelson Mandela with um, the rugby situation in South Africa back yeah. in 1990, 1990s, I forgot um, which year, 1995, I think it was. Yeah. Um, the apartheid and everything. But it was yeah. Didier Drogba actually stopping a civil war in the Ivory Coast, um, literally just due to football and the power that he had in his own country. It shows that um, football really does transcend into different mediums as well. It really shows into politics, it shows into the human spirit and humanity, really. And, I might just be going on a bit, but it's just the fact that Didier Drogba has done something that you realistically, politicians really couldn't have stopped that. If someone with Didier Drogba was literally in his off-season or on an international break in his home country, actually stopping people from actually fighting against one each other and stopping bloodshed from happening, which is insane. I'm not even, really um, sure how... Sorry, Harold. Oh, no, it's a, even um, there was a... After one of the games, I think... Um, if I remember correctly, when they qualified for the World Cup, he literally, there was security all around him. And I think it's a famous picture when he was running around, literally with the people. And mm-hmm. when you think about like someone getting X amount of money and everything, you would kind of like also, you know, like, like I'll fear low for my safety. Like he doesn't care. Like what he's just so passionate about, about his country, about his roots. And it's just like, when you see some of that, you're just like, you're okay. Even though I don't care what team you play for, yeah, you, you're my guy. It's something that um, Noah and I were just talking about before. You can just relate to as well. You don't have to relate to them as a footballer to a fan. You relate them to someone who um, like you can literally relate to, which is, which is insane. But in this day and age as well, there's someone I wanted to kind of talk about as well. I've got so many to do, and I'm going to be doing it over the course of the month. So um, Noah's kind of stolen Marcus Strachan from me, so I've had to think of my <laughs> number two for tonight. So um, this one's on Raheem Sterling. Uh, the England footballer, yeah. the, the footballer who plays for Manchester City, the arch rivals of Manchester United, and is someone who I believe has has really taken it to the British media and the British public because of the the false narratives around Raheem Sterling and someone who isn't afraid to shy away from um, not controversy but kind of stand up for himself and, and his own right as well, which is pretty good um, for Raheem Sterling and especially during the European Championships so over the summer as well, where People were complaining about Raheem Sterling being in the starting eleven. There, people, people saying that Gareth Southgate, the England manager, had a favouritism towards um, Raheem Sterling as well. And it's the fact that with uh, with England getting to the final of the Euros, we wouldn't have been anywhere close to the final without Raheem Sterling scoring the two goals in the group stages, or um, being someone who we could actually use as a focal point in the European Championships as well. But even outside of football, Raheem Sterling has had to deal with. Uh, negative press year after year after year. He was um, taunted for moving to Manchester City for um, uh, monetary reasons. Of, co- of course, you would do when you move to Manchester City, but I mean, yeah, it's, it's been proven to be a Premier League champion as well, which is had at the same time. But Raheem Sterling is someone who kind of has to kind of he's kind of been like a target ever since Wayne Rooney's retired from um, football. So Wayne Rooney was kind of the British media public yeah. uh, villain number one in football. And then it was basically something where 
oh, we need to find a new target. Who can we find? Marcus Rashford has had a few hits, but it's basically Raheem Sterling. And um, there was a situation once upon a time. I'm not sure if you, uh, either of you had been um, aware of this, but there was a time where Raheem Sterling um, bought a house for. Oh, yeah, I was actually I was I was about to mention that. Yeah, so he bought a house for his mother, and the, the press were going on about how it's a it's is Raheem Sterling flashing his money and is showing off by buying a something point something million pound house and you're just there thinking he's a footballer he's earned his money he's kind of saved yeah. up that money or he's just paid for it which is perfect and then two weeks later um there was a another black player i think his name is Tosin uh I think um Fulham now he did that the same thing happened to him yeah and then i think a year later or something like that phil foden had bought his mama house as well and yeah. there was oh wow look at phil foden he's bought a bought a house for his mum how proud she must be of him and all of that. And you're just kind of thinking there's no, there's no real correlation between the two besides the difference in skin tone, really, which is quite yeah. awesome. It's quite upsetting as well. And even he was saying that the newspapers have been fueling racism for years and they've been using his name um, against, against the narrative, really, which is quite sad to see. And I'm not sure if that really happens in um, Canadian football. Excuse my, uh, my lack of knowledge for, for like main Canadian football, but... Do you kind of get that with like tabloids in, in Canada where like people go in against the press in any kind of way? You don't really see it so much in uh, in the papers and the tabloids, but you you do see it on social media, unfortunately. Um, oh, not so much at at the at the grounds. You don't really see it when you're when you're at the games, but yeah. you, you do see it on social media, which shouldn't be happening but uh but yeah it definitely is is a problem everywhere unfortunately is how about you um captain got anything to add to that um so i'll just say another thing about with that because the canadian like the cpl is just it's just pretty still young so and what they've really done is that they've tried to instill, like, since they obviously, they, you, we all see what's happening around the world and everything. They've tried to instill, like, a no-tolerance policy straight off the bat. So, um, you obviously, you see social media here and there, but you really won't hear it in the crowds and everything. And so, like, yeah, that's it, that's a little shining grace, but still seeing it here on social media where some players just literally, after, like, you know, some days you do your job well, some days you don't do your job well, just like everybody else. So I don't, yeah. if, if he missed a one-on-one, like he doesn't have to hear, like he doesn't have to see all what, what we all see, like just why, like if yeah. you could do it, go do it yourself, but you probably couldn't. So that's why they're probably mad, yeah. but hey. Yeah, it was like um, in the Euros when England had three players that missed a penalty, they were all three black players that missed a penalty. Yeah. It was like a, Rashford and Jaden Sancho. There was a there was a situation where one of the not one of basically there was a school teacher who was taking class for his kids on the Monday or the Tuesday afterwards, and all the kids were like, "Oh, I could have scored that penalty. I could have done this. I could have done that." So he recreated the situation at lunchtime with the whole like yards of like from a penalty spot to a uh, to a goal and the whole anticipation of walking up from the circle halfway line to the um, to the center circle as well, center circle to this penalty spot, sorry. And like most of the kids missed anyway. So there was a lesson that they, they learned firsthand of, oh yeah, if you miss, don't go and blame them because of the color of their skin, miss because it was, a, it was a tough situation to be in as well. And it's quite sad to, 
to see how, how it happens. Like even with Man United, um, when Man United lost the game uh, or drew a game, I think we drew a game though against Everton three three. Uh, yeah, season. yeah, that game was when when it like really kicked off. Mm, it really kicked off. Uh, Axel Twinzabi, Marcus Rashford receiving racial abuse as well. Fred receiving right. racial abuse as well. And you're just kind of thinking that you're not racially abusing Harry Maguire. You're not racially abusing Victor Lindelof or any of these other players because of the different colours of their skin. So there's there's a certain narrative that was um, unfortunately at play, and it became a common thing over the last Premier League yeah. season. All the fans not being in the stadium and the pundits in England, not a lot of them, a few of them were trying to justify it by saying, oh yeah, we're not in stands, you're not seeing people in person, it's not the same, you're cooped up indoors. Like, the narrative should never be to uh, racially abuse someone, no matter how bad they've been or how upset and how upset you're feeling as well, which, which is annoying. But um, to leave this podcast on a positive note, um, because I don't want to end it like that. I just kind of want to um, hear your thoughts on if you see anyone in, other, in any other sport kind of doing the same kind of thing as Marcus Rashford or if they're doing anything um, locally as well. Because for me, um, in football, football is like our biggest sport. We've got cricket, we've got rugby, we've got yeah. which is pretty good as well. But when you're kind of looking at how it's the Christmas period coming up, you're going to have people, um, do you celebrate Thanksgiving in Canada as well? Yeah. 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 So you, you'll have Thanksgiving coming up as well. I remember a lot of American football players do a lot for Thanksgiving as well. But realistically speaking, can you kind of name people so I could personally learn about these people from other sports in um, the USA or Canada that, that would have the same kind of impact on um, their sport and society like Marcus Rashford? So, um, well, um, we'll just go like straight to like um, basketball and American football over here. So like, well, we all know who LeBron James is. I mean, yeah. LeBron James. <laughs> uh, I'm joking, I'm joking. <laughs> and um, so he, like with all the investments, he started a school, uh, okay. the Dream Academy. So, and it's, it's basically just to help the kids around the area. So give them quality education, get them ready for school. And like, you see a lot of the players, you can name like, as, every single one of them. They have camps here and there. They have food drives here and there. And they always go back to their hometown, which is a like, because, you know, they're always like, yo, just a home roots and everything. And like, okay, I'm gonna go to, oh, I well, I don't know many places around here, but Arizona, what, I'm gonna go to Winnipeg. I'm gonna go back home uh, on my off season, on my days off. I'm just gonna give out backpacks and everything. Um, you see um, with tennis and all the other sports, I. Here and there, all like I, I'm sure they all have charities and everything. But I would say American football. That's where it's become like a tradition. Um, it's a good. Tra- we keep it call it a tradition or a trend. Hey, as long as it continues, um, you know, everything's given. They're giving out turkeys and everything to, to less fortunate and everything. So it's it's something that a good habit that I've seen in those two sports that has kept on going. So yeah, but when it comes to the players, like from. As, as soon as you're a first round pick, you're, you're doing that because you have the money to do that. So it's there's but there's quite a lot of them who, who do that. But yeah, it's, I'm not sure about other sports, but a, but a, a basketball now, American football. Yeah, I'm not sure. Noah, maybe. Well, I can I can say uh, about American football. I support the Pittsburgh Steelers and uh, our first round draft pick this year, Najee Harris. One of his first days in Pittsburgh, he was helping out with a food drive. Like I think it was his wow. second day, second day in the city. He hadn't even found an apartment or a house or anything like literally just got to Pittsburgh and was already helping out with a food drive for the less fortunate. 
Um, there's Chase Claypool and Juju Smith-Schuster as well. Yeah. Um, Claypool is actually from Canada. And uh, the two of them, they, they're constantly doing like um, food drives. Uh, I know, I want to say two seasons ago, they did, they did a drive for, for the local schools. So they like gave out backpacks and school supplies and all that kind of stuff for the, for the kids that were less fortunate and not in the position to be able to afford all those supplies. So it definitely is growing uh, across North America and, and everywhere, honestly, where you do see these athletes giving back to their communities. And it definitely is, is a nice thing to see. Yeah, it's a definitely a nice thing to see. And hopefully, like uh, Taps was just saying, something that as long as you're doing it, it's, it's a good thing to be doing. And hopefully it continues and grows and grows and grows, which would be uh, fantastic to really see and hear about as well. But uh, no, uh, Taps, thank you very much for explaining that to me as well. And hopefully the listeners get some benefit from that as well. Personally, I did, which was fantastic. Thank you both for sharing your thoughts on um, Black History Month for our side of the pond. Hopefully when February comes around, you'll remember me and you'd be like, let's get Hamza back from Friday Night Camp. <laughs> no, don't uh, worry, don't worry. More, more coming, more collapse coming. We're, we're here, we're here. It'll, it'll be quite fun to do that as well. And I'll be like, yeah, I've got, I've got a few more to be going for as well. Because I think that's what I'm going to do over the next couple of weeks. So we've got normal episodes come back because of the Premier League and the Champions League and everything like that. But I'll still do a segment of Black History Month and it'll be quite nice to uh, just discuss that as well for another five, ten minutes on the pod. But um, guys, thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much for your cooperation as well. It's been fantastic. I haven't been because I, I'm ill. I've still got a cold and um, hopefully you don't catch it all the way in Canada. It's not coronavirus. <laughs> COVID-19. But I'm, I'm all well and good. And thanks for coming on this week's podcast. Um, yeah, th- thanks again for having us on. It's, uh, it's been a lot of fun and a, and a big honor. Oh, you're, t- you're too kind, though, honestly. It'll be an honor <laughs> for me to join you on, on the next podcast of um, Varchek. So I can't wait to join. When that 100%. Yeah, for sure. Bring me, on, bring me on for like a Christmas episode or something like that. That'll, that'll be quite Oh, fun. trust me. Yeah, we'll, we'll, bring you on, we'll bring you on the vibes episode. Not about vibes. We'll talk about not about vibes. Don't worry. Nothing <laughs> but vibes. It'll be fun. Um, but thanks everyone for listening. Please subscribe. Um, just follow us on YouTube as well, which would be great. Take care and goodbye.